0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk
1: shoes. Recorded live.
2: Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, C, and the Stick Doctor.
3: Because um, this is Dave AC in the chair. Yes, um, Ian is uh, he's, he's pixelated. He's gone. He, he's disappeared. It's uh, it's a bogus, a bogus Ian. So uh, bogus Ian is trying to get back into the room. Welcome to the uh, Culting Collective episode 323, where today we're going to be uh, reviewing uh, Doctor Who extremists, our extremists, uh, episode season 10, Episode 6, and if you sounded well, that guy doesn't sound very well prepared. Up to two minutes ago, I wasn't hosting today's call, Ian was, but he is hopefully on his way back. We've been doing a double ganger today, yes. We've just uh, only 15 minutes ago ended up doing the postponed uh, review of uh, Series 10, Episode 5, Episode Oxygen, and that is already up on the feeds from the Miracle, the Marvel. That is the torture You service because we recorded it live and within 10 minutes of uh, ending the recording and, in clo- and closing off, that is up on the feeds and I've already tweeted about it. It's already on iTunes, but of course, you may not be listening to the two uh, very shortly, one after the other. But uh, with uh, that, let's go on and say who's in the room. And I shall go against convention and say. In the first in my room,
1: it's Rick Wall. Hi, Rick. Hello, hello.
3: Ah, good to have you here. We've also got on audio, we've got Darth. Hi, Darth. Hello.
1: Unfortunately, guess uh, what's here?
3: Ah, and uh, Extremis. Thank you. I think that's the best way to do it. Okay, and we've, uh, that's all we've got on audio, though we are expecting Ian to join us back in the room very shortly. But let's see who is under the cone.
4: Control, new
3: agent training program,
4: section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the Cone of Silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable Cone of Silence.
1: What?
3: And uh, actually just disappearing under the cone and not into a digitalized world, it's uh, Rick Wall because his, um, his food has arrived but he will uh, hopefully be listening in. I'm sure he's listening in and he will be uh, rejoining us at a later date. Also under there is... Uh, Jeff, the seventh Doctor, Matt Hal, guest five, not Cybob. Yes, we're we're running on dangerous ground here, Cybob. Um, maybe there isn't uh, a fake Cybob. Perhaps there is only one, and truly a uh, real Cybob. And maybe he's in the real world, and we are not. And we hope to be rejoined by Ian, the sixth Doctor, very very shortly. Now, today, because we're doing this double episode, we're not doing any news. We're actually going to go straight into our spoiler review of this Doctor Who episode. So um, let's just remind people, uh, if they want to join us on a future call, how they can do just that.
2: If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on Talkshoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724. 724- this is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialling in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you.
3: And indeed, well, I won't read that out, but we are going to carry on regardless Um Uh, With uh, no Ian and a bogus Dave, Uh, what can possibly go wrong? Nothing can stop me now. Yes, well, we're revisiting the classics. Why not have an underwater menace quote? And uh, I hope I've got that from the right one. So here we are, assembled, uh, slightly falling apart, but assembled as, well, what do you know? A sign of hope is on the horizon. I see the good ship Ken. Arriving in text chat, barman fifty four. Well, that is wonderful news. Good to have you here, Ken. We're on the second leg of our two-part journey today, with lots of goodness. And so, to give you time to settle in the room, and indeed, for me to allow you to text chat, uh, let me uh, play the very first clip. Remember, we're on spoilers uh, from this uh, point uh, onwards, and. Uh, Might help if I find the right one. And here we go. And uh, since we went with you, uh, well, Rick's dropped off anyway for the moment, so we'll, we'll probably be going to Darth fairly quickly. Here's the first clip.
4: Death is an increasing problem. With over a billion intelligent species active in this galaxy alone, it is an ever greater challenge to know how to kill all of them. On this planet, we're proud to serve as executioners to every living thing. The destruction of a time lord, however, is a particular honor. This technology is precisely calibrated, as you can see. It will stop both hearts, all three brain stems, and deliver a cellular shockwave that will permanently disable regenerative ability. I know how it works. You certainly will in a moment. Following termination, the body will be placed in the quantum fold chamber under constant guard for no less than a thousand years. In case of, shall we say, relapses, life can be a cunning enemy. An additional stipulation of the fatality index is that the sentence must be carried out by another Time Lord. Apologies for our choice, but your people are not easy to come by. Oh, Doctor,
3: I didn't expect you. No, oh, that was not the master you were expecting. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Ken, I'm assuming that you've um, you've muted yourself there. Just put in text chat if you want to be unmuted, please. Uh, and uh, I don't know about anybody else before we, we will go to Darth... I I got a torchwood vibe in that music there, and um, and Jeff has already put in the text. Um, all three brain stems was that ever mentioned before? No, I don't think that was, but um, it it would make a suitable uh, redundancy built in, I suppose, to make sure that the doctor can survive more severe uh, things happening to him than uh, than a mere human could, but. Um, Darf, are you good to go straight away on uh, on this one? Have you got your thoughts together?
5: All right, then. I guess I can. Uh, it's, of course, very difficult to judge this one because it's we don't have the full story yet. It may turn out to be a less enchanting story than it appears to me right now. But I have to say, this is Stephen Moffat at his best, I think in terms of his ability to keep different threads going at different times in the story and yet still make some sort of coherent sense
1: out of things.
5: Very much enjoyed it. Um, I uh, am mystified by a lot of things about it. I'm not sure we're going to get a full answer to everything. I, I don't understand, for instance why it's necessary to kill the Master now, right? I mean, presumably the Master has been around for a thousand years at this point uh, after his re-discovery uh, of the Doctor post-Time War, right? Because uh, hmm. actually more than a thousand years because if you re-encounter the Doctor in the tenant era, Tenet was very young, right? 903 to 907 years old, according to his own reckoning. And now we're at a 2,000-year-old doctor. Why the wait? Right? I don't. I don't understand that. We may never get an answer to that. It's just this is where the story starts, and that may be all we have. I. The thing that strikes me most about this is, of course, a production element, though, I suppose, and not so much a narrative one, uh, in that if you take this episode in particular, and I've said this about other episodes in the past, but I think this one is it's particularly true. If you take this episode and look at its cinematography and compare it to, let's say, The Unquiet Dead, which is also supposed to be a low-lit environment. The difference is night and day. Of course, we're on HD now, and you know, Unquiet Dead was not filmed on HD. But still, the, the production values of Doctor Who, at least in terms of the filming of it, are just tremendous in the Moffat era as compared to the RTD era. And you can't really argue that point. You can't necessarily explain it away by just saying it's HD. It is uh, very clear through interviews with like Phil Collinson and and maybe even RTD that they were trying to do something very different with the lighting back then than what is attempted here. Um, And the cinematography, man, just knockout, knockout stuff. And what's even better about the cinematography here, and to an extent, I suppose, the grading, because, you know, cinematography and grading go hand in hand, is that we're trying to convey the sense of blindness. And so it's kind of cool that the entirety of the show is in low light. Even, even the white background and stuff, even the, you know, for lack of a better word, the projection room, um, that's white, but it's not pure white. It still is low-level white, and I just found that a nice little detail in a way, a great example of how cinematography can help tell a story or can help at least set the theme of a story, Uh, and I I think it's one of the strengths of the Moffat era, as we sort of say goodbye to it, uh, that he hasn't found himself shackled to one notion of cinematography, but that he does, you know, hire that out on a per episode or per production block uh, sort of schedule. Because it allows you to, you know, look at cinematography as an art separate from direction, as an art unto itself, and then judge, well, what, what does it mean that we're looking at you know, very low light. Even, like, if you just take like, Missy, right, and you look at her uh, outfit in this episode, which is presumably more or less the same outfit that she would have had upon her introduction, um, it's night and day, right? I mean, it, it everything is taken out of it. It looks like this very bright purple thing is now her death trial, And you can kind of see it as that. And that's, of course, the point of the scene. And I just, I just really appreciate that about this episode. Having said that, of course, there's a lot more to appreciate. And especially in the dialogue. I, I just can't get over sometimes how clever Moffat is with dialogue. And you might say, well, the dialogue, you know, doesn't necessarily lead you to a logical plot place, and you can sort of pick it apart and have your problems with the dialogue. But honestly, here is a guy at the end of his career with Doctor Who, somebody who didn't even think he was doing this season at all. And it's probably like, you know, I I, I think we can compare him to John Nathan Turner at more or less, you know, season twenty. Three stage, I guess, where he thought he was out of there, and then they say, oh, no, 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 come back for season 24, right? And, I mean, he loves Doctor Who and all that, and he's getting good money out of it. I'm sure he made a great deal for this last year. But still, you would think, there's no, there's nothing in the tank, right? Mm-hmm. And this this notion of Finally, we get to see Bill having just a normal date with a girl. And then what happens? The Pope shows up. At the exact moment that Bill is saying, oh, you don't need to feel guilty about this whole relationship. <laughs> and then there's the Pope. Honestly, that I had to stop the playback at that point because that was so incredibly funny and so incredibly clever. And I just couldn't... Kind of believe that Moffat was still able to do this kind of thing that he, you know, this this cleverness that he had. Like, I, I think that this first scene is very comparable to, like, the Pandora opens first scene. You know, where you have all this build up, you have Amelia Pond running around, you have, you know, what's going on with the universe. It, it seems there's no stars anymore. All this stuff, and then. They go to the museum and they open up the Pandora. And instead of there being the Doctor in there, there's Amy Pond, with you know the great opening line. <laughs> this is where it gets really complicated. You know, that's an awesome first scene, and that was his you know first season as showrunner. Now here we are, our last season, and he's still able to come up with these these moments of character buildup. You know that actually do inform the character. And yet at the same time have this great comic reveal to them that I, I just, I just, you know, I will miss that part of Stephen Moffat. Um, just it's stunning, stunning stuff to watch. And then there's, you know, plenty of moments like that, plenty of little throwaway lines throughout this episode. And you get, it's, it's almost impossible to talk about all of them because they're, really it's almost every other line. is just really clever, like she tells the cardinals, you're all going to hell <laughs> right, right. you know, but you know, missy on the chopping block, you know, knock yourself out, actually, yeah, wait, no, do that, knock yourself out, you know, or just the 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 bringing back um of river song, even though it's through the voice of Nardal. You can still hear that that's River Song, and it doesn't matter that it's not Alex Kingston, which is great stuff. And not only that, but you know the clever, timey-wiminess that sometimes is quite marvelous to see in Moffat's writing. The fact that this is, a, at least the parts of this that are real, you know, involving the actual doctor, the actual master, um, and the actual Nardole. Is a direct sequel to the Weddings of River Song, so we're starting to actually... Why? I just can't. I marvel at this. While Nardole is invoking River Song, he's actually telling us about his own character. It's crazy. It's crazy that there, you're getting that level of definition. That we understand this is you know happening after the just immediately after the 26 years or whatever it is of. Oh, yes. Um, Uh, On uh, Darium or whatever Right. You know. um, And and so we're starting to piece together why it is that he and why Nardole is traveling with the Doctor, which we really didn't understand if you go back to the pilot, which we didn't even really understand if you go back to um, Doctor Mysterio. Why is he with Oh, he's with the Doctor because at this moment, he is there to make sure because of River Song, that the Doctor does what he's supposed to do. It's all very, very clever. You know, um, now maybe it'll fall apart. Next episode, episode after that. Maybe it'll fall apart in the final episode of the season. Maybe it'll fall apart, you know, the fi- the Christmas special.
1: Who knows?
5: But for right now, this episode is just it, it's a gem in the same way that I view Let's Kill Hitler as quite the, the Moffat Jim, right? I, I I still, to this day, love Let's Kill Hitler because of all its timey-wiminess, because the script is so clever, because of everything that it's trying to do to knit together the River Song and the 11th Doctor story into something that makes some kind of sense.
3: Yeah, I okay. think he's always clever. I think just some people think he's too clever for his own good.
5: I think that's where, well, where, so, think. where some people have the, you know... Mm. I don't know about that. I mean, there are times where I I think he's not clever. I mean, Beast Below, I think he's absolutely not clever. But he is a clever enough writer to understand that he missed there, which I fully appreciate, that he was Mm -hmm. able to come out on camera and say, you know what, I really didn't do a good job with the Beast Below, and that still haunts me. I think that's, you know, a great sign of humility. Well, even J.K. Rowling
3: says she gets things wrong, doesn't she, with the – Harry not ending up with, oh,
5: spoiler, but you know what I mean? Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's
3: good. it's good that he acknowledges
5: it, yeah. Yeah, but not, you know, not every writer will do that. I mean, I don't think that Ian no. Fleming has ever apologized for the way in which he characterized Bond pre the movies, right? I mean, if you go back and look at the, I mean, you do know that the, the original... It's based uh, on him, wasn't it? Well, no, but the the original Bond novels really have n- not been seen that much in print because they had to be re-edited because they were so chauvinistic and so on oh, right. top, yeah. terrible. Um, so, like, the chances are, if you've read a Bond novel, you haven't really read the original Ian Fleming, and Ian Fleming never apologized for any of that. I uh, wish know? I had some of my original copies with the original uh, right, right. Dust covers they are, on them. We <laughs> are a totally different Bond, you know. So... You know, it's good to see an author being able to do that. But I mean, just this this everything about this episode I thought was quite clever and quite fun. And I, I, you know, at this point, other than not understanding why Missy is on the chopping block, which we're not meant to understand at this point, uh, I don't have that many problems with this episode. Uh, and I've watched it twice. I've been looking for things that I don't like and I don't find a lot that I don't like. Um, I think this might be... I'm hoping this will be a really great story for Moffat to go out on.
3: You know? We'll be the clip. I, mm, and I, mm, and no. and, and, and I you, want you to talk more, certainly.
1: Mm.
2: The language of uh, this text... Uh, ...is lost to us. But thanks to the work of an early Christian sect... ...the title has survived. Okay, so what's the title?
4: Oh. Yes, I can see that it says uh, Veritas. Oh. Hmm.
2: Literally the truth. Obviously the sect, they understood the language. It died with them. And all copies of their translation disappeared shortly after their mass suicide. A few months ago, after many centuries of work, the veritas was translated again. Right. And? What did it say? No one knows. Everyone who worked on the translation and everyone who subsequently read it is now dead. Dead, Dr by their own hand. Very that is a short document, a few pages only, and yet contains a secret that drives all who know it to destroy themselves.
3: Uh, but just before that, I, I, I didn't understand why when the Pope came in, he was speaking Italian and we, it wasn't translated for us. Um, just they weren't in the room with the TARDIS, or, or what? That seemed to be. A little bit convenient.
5: Well, no, they clearly were in the room with the TARDIS because that's his office. His office has. No, been... no,
3: no, no, no. It was where they met in the, uh,
5: the, the lecture room, didn't oh, they? Oh, in the lecture he was room. was in the lecture room. Oh. Well, one would think that that's still within the TARDIS's range. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, what baffled me at first, you know, there's no one to one relationship between the Doctor Who universe and the real world but why was this pope speaking in italian anyway cuz i mean the current pope wouldn't i don't think naturally speak in italian cuz that's not his native language yeah no. i don't know but i mean i don't i guess we're not really meant to believe that this is the current pope i suppose in in the same way that we're not meant to believe unfortunately that the uh, president who killed himself was trump um you know cuz it doesn't really look like him so i don't know but but yeah, it, it, it did throw me off that it, it was Italian of all things. Um, and, well, but the thing is, none of that's real, right? No. that wasn't no. the real Pope. And, that, and that's the, the interesting and difficult part of this whole thing so far is trying to figure out where does the real stuff begin? Because I don't think the real stuff even includes last week's episode.
3: Oh, no, 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 I, I think, uh, I think, I that think when, when it went right at the beginning when the doctor's sitting outside the box
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, just before the Pope comes into the theatre, he receives a message and we think that's the message saying the Pope wants an audience, but at the end you realise it's the alternate doctor in the Oval Office that sends him that message because he says uh, I, I'm, I'm doing what everybody else does I'm asking the doctor for help And then it loops back to him there. Basically, the doctor gets the message of what's just uh, uh, happened. Which then threw me slightly, because then he phones Bill to say, are you on a date? And Bill says no. And then he persuades Bill to go on the date, which to me sets in motion this thing. Now, I don't mean that... The simulation hasn't been running for years, because we find this room, which was a very Star Trekky y uh, room, you know, portals into different sections of the world and jump through it at the right moment and all that. Um, but but it, for the Doctor, it appeared that that's when the simulation started. Uh, I mean, the fact that you could go through that to, to a, a Roman world 5,000 uh, years 5,000 years ago or whatever are the pyramids didn't necessarily mean it been running that fast because obviously in a, a computer simulation uh, it could have only been running a few hours. We could be back to the doctor's daughter uh, the the time. But I'm assuming that that message that the, the doctor in the Oval Office, and I'm going to ask you about the Oval Office in a minute, um, was the one that the doctor receives right at the beginning. And um, Do you think they had to do a very quick redress? Because as far as I know, uh, hasn't president trump reinstated the gold curtains and things like that and here we have the oval room with the gold curtains and that i wondered if um because you were quite quite genned up on the different looks of the the oval office uh when we had done uh, you know past episodes the impossible astronaut one i think it was uh, um not the, yeah the impossible astronaut where we're going to the oval office anyway that's where i thought the simulation started just before Bill's date because Bill it starts with Bill in the flat not having the date uh, when we go back does that make sense or not or am I overthinking it
5: no I think and just to add to your thoughts uh, we see the the doctor in the chat is saying the first scenes up to the doctor receiving the message and the last scenes starting with the doctor outside the vault real and uh, you know I would Ah. agree with that, I suppose. I I guess I just, I'm not sure that there's a point, though, where we actually see the start of the alternate.
3: Yeah, which is actually could be a big plot point. Because if Missy has been in this uh, container for a thousand years, one assumes she's going to play an integral part because she's going to be outside this experiment she's not going to be contaminated with this experiment so that's presumably going to be some pivotal part of the plot that the doctor can you know if he can get i mean he's just we've seen him save the the missus life on that judgement and again they don't say who's called judgement on her um but well, maybe right, at right. this point he she, she we know definitely that if she's been contained in that box and not come out she's not part of the Recreated world, she's she's the real Missy, um, and therefore he will mm. use her as some sort of touchstone or something uh, to help this uh, sort out. Yeah, I was I, I was, I, I was mm. a little confused at the beginning as well when when the the voiceover was saying you know there's a billion races and we kill them all or something and then. Listening to the audio, again, you, it redefines really mm-hmm. it, because he actually says we need to know how to kill a person from many different race. It didn't mean that they would systematically kill because I thought if, they, if they're rowing everybody one at a time in a boat to kill them, they're not going to kill. Basically, the, it was yeah. their job to kill people when they'd been given the instruction to do it, and therefore they had to have, within their knowledge, the method by which Mm-hmm. Any race can be, there. and they knew that because the Time Lord had this regenerative ability, mm-hmm. there was a particular way they had to do it, and it had to be done by another Time Lord. And it was very clever at the beginning because it looked as though it was the Doctor who was the one that was going to meet his death, didn't it? Uh, oh yeah. Well, there's, there's,
5: there's definitely a long pause in there where you're trying to figure out who's supposed to kneel, and it's almost like a you know Mexican standoff kind of uh, you know. Who's going to drop first? Which I thought was very clever, too. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, that whole thing at the beginning of why is there a race or a sect or an organization, whoever these people are, uh, who are in charge of killing anybody? I mean, why would you need that? Uh, That we don't know yet. And maybe we never will. I don't know. It depends on where Moffat goes with the story, I suppose. uh, But that is to me, at least, as big a mystery as why is somebody completely replicating Earth in order to, you know, make changes to what's the point of that? I don't know yet. These people might know how to kill the monks, of course. that That's where that factor could come in. I guess. But, I mean, definitely that, yeah, that's true. But definitely the, the thing that I thought was fun, you know, because it if if you believe and I'm not sure that I do believe this, by the way, but if you believe that the last episode has a prelude and a and an ending that is kind of confirmational of Star Trek, right? Mm. Uh then this episode also has a Star Trek element to it because the whole thing of oh. being able oh, to step from, Well, I mean, but the whole thing of being able to step from one central mm-hmm. library more or less, uh, to you know, different cultures. That's that's an episode of Star Trek, right? That's one yeah, of oh, The one God. in the library. Uh, yeah, oh, the, but it's like season three. I forget. It's it's yeah, one yeah, of those. It's <laughs> not. It's not. It's not. It's sort of the City on the Edge of Forever, but it's not City on the Edge of Forever. No, it's, it's the one where they go they, back in time. Yeah. Yeah, and they well, jump well, through there's,
6: all that. The, yeah, there's yeah, there's one I find uh, this ancient civilization that had these and it's,
5: Iconis, uh, these right?
6: portals and stuff, and yeah. and at the end. Um, cards like they're, they they keep switching between places place and places. He's got to time it just right and blow up the technology, right, right. jump through the thing, and yeah,
0: yeah.
5: But that's that's the next generation episode, which is a sequel to a I think season three original series. one. it's all about the Iconians or whatever. Mm. Anyway, it is very much. I mean, it definitely gave me that sort of vibe of oh well, okay, I guess. I mean, since we're already talking about holidays, what the hell? Uh, Let's just and take we have, I'm Sorry, and we, and we, we had the
3: and we had the. uh the uh, the um, the Voyager ship from the Hell Planet, which was a copy of the, they were all copies. And in fact, going back to Doctor Who, we've had the gangers. We've had the gangers where, you know, we had the, uh, they had the 11th Doctor that was a ganger.
5: Uh, yeah. And the original Doctor, um... Yes, but this is—it's it's an interesting ad mixture because it's not purely a copy of anything. It is—you know—you can say, "Well, there's this little Star Trek element in it." You can also say, "There's a big Tron element in it, too." Well, yeah. To. What
3: about the fourth Doctor, Logop- Logopolis, uh, lock computation? That the 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 yeah, the, uh, the universe only exists because people do the calculations. Hi, hi, Kenny. You want to just come in here? We've got Ken on audio as well.
7: Yeah. Um, it- I just, I, again, I loved all the elements in this. Um, and you look at the contrast with the previous episode, which I'm not sure if I love aspects of it or hate it. Um, it's it's necessary for the setup, but it's such a dour episode. And this episode, I'm on the edge of my seat, just smiling with the wit. And it, it's like you're getting your... Uh, date ruined by the Pope, and it's hilarious. You know, um, all the all the different elements. You you go from a very bottle show, and and almost almost pared down, classic Who episodes, to now an epic again. Um, and I just I just found it all just totally fascinating from the beginning. With with the majesty of these kind of Egyptian influenced uh uh killer race or or their their need to to find uh the truth of how to kill and they get the doctor. I haven't seen anything since maybe the deadly assassin and the Gallifreyan costumes that got me so going like, Wow, look at that. Just the richness of it and and like the lights going, um, like like Darth was saying, the uh, the cinematography on this is is just gorgeous, you know, through, throughout the whole thing. There's there's, there's like a beautiful lighting uh, to the whole episode, and and then when they have the aspects of suspense, the almost I would call them the vampiric monks, because they almost mm. look like aspects of, of a I would say vampires that are a bit rotting away. They're 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 great looking. And th- this is this is going uh, back again as a nod to you know the Vashnarata and uh and the silence. So not that he's repeating himself, but but they're, they're uh there's like soul elements that he that he's putting back into this, it's it's almost like Moffat's greatest hits before he leaves. And again, when when did the the simulation start? Maybe, maybe that's something we're going to learn. He he might blow us all away and say, "Well, you know, remember, uh, Amy wasn't Amy for a while. You know, for a long time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long really was this? Oh been? yeah,
3: that was a good one. Yeah, you know, was this <laughs> I,
7: was, yeah. was this going from the very beginning? Are we going to say that, that uh, you know, you know, may, maybe the beginning of him being the twelfth Doctor? That this has been that we haven't known it, but, the, but there's been this simulation going on for this the, the, the long game, let's call it, and they've been they've been like fooling everyone.
3: If yeah. he steps out of a shower, I'm stopping watching.
7: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was I, I I loved this, I loved this. I mean, uh, there are other episodes this season I like. I I really like the haunted house, um, knock knock. I I really enjoy it, and I really mm-hmm. like smile. Um, but this one, you know, even though I don't really know what the heck is going on yet, but what a trip! And it's the thing too. Is it's fun? I found personally last week's kind of insufferable because it was just to me so painful what was happening to Bill. And again, it was like a great sacrifice of the doctor. You know, it was it was like um, it was like almost the fifth doctor sacrificing himself again with with uh, with the suit. You know, the, the um, what's going to happen to the doctor may already be beginning. We don't know.
5: Mm. Well, right. I mean, that's that's one of the great lines. You know, virtue is only virtue in extremists. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that is, to me, that's straight up foreshadowing. We're going to yeah. the virtue of the doctor because he's about to damn die.
7: Yeah. You know.
5: So. And
7: Nardhall, from being just kind of a humorous sidekick, grows by leaps and bounds. You know him, him playing the tough guy. It was it was just wonderful, and then you see his whole purpose. They were saying back that River Song says, "No, you don't want to. You can't do this," and it's it, it's great. So it like it, it it enriches all the other episodes with Nardal, and and, and 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 makes him different now. Yeah, so. yeah. It's an interesting
5: backfilling of the character, isn't it?
7: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's. It's uh, is truly great, truly, truly great.
3: Yeah. Okay, let me play another clip, and we'll just see if Darth wants to, because we obviously came in, then he, he may have more to say, and then if not, uh, uh, we've got Ian back, and we we'll want to hear from him as well. But here's another clip. I sent it.
4: Send what? I sent it. Yes. so what? Where? Cardinal Angelo, someone just broke into your bookcase. Uh, Priest, by the look of him, shut out the lock. he hasn't got far. So much for your forbidden library, Cardinal.
2: Doctor, look at this. Must have been his. Laptop. Hey, there's Wi-Fi down there. What's this Wi-Fi?
4: It's a library. Reading chair with a safety belt. What's CERN? CERN?
2: Yeah.
4: The European Organization of Nuclear Research, the largest particle physics laboratory on this planet. Why?
2: Because four hours ago, someone, that priest presumably, emailed them a copy of the Veritas translation from this computer. Remember what he said? He said, I sent it. He sent
4: the Veritas. And CERN has just replied. What'd they say? Pray for us. I do not want to find yourself surprised. At the same time anyone does. And they're very, very afraid. Particle physicists and priests. What could scare them both?
3: Okay, Darth, uh, it was nice uh, uh, with Ken coming in there, but was, was there anything else that was
5: on your own list of things to mention? Well, I mean, I think Ken kind of hit a point there about you know what kind of foreshadowing is going on? What, how this stands narratively? Are we going, you know, backfilling a character? Or are we going, you know, with some prophetic knowledge about what's going to happen to the doctor? And I think you know, the we're definitely looking forward, I think, to the end of this Doctor, to an extent, and and yet. We may be doing so in a roundabout way by going backwards, because this touchstone of, you know, Riversong's diary and and Riversong herself, how that is setting up the end, and how great it would be, you know, if there is a little bit more involvement by Riversong, not necessarily in the form of Alex Kingston, but just more explication of what happened in those 26 years, or not necessarily even those 26 years, some other point in River Song's life coming forward to uh, highlight a certain narrative point with this doctor before he goes out. I think that would be a great use of this character um, that, you know, we haven't seen for whatever it is now. What, how long has it been? Two years, basically, since we've seen River Song, I guess.
7: Um,
5: mm-hmm. And and that would be, it would be neat if that character was the final capstone on the Moffat career, right? That somehow in the Christmas special, River Song has something to do with the end of not only Capaldi but you know Moffat's era on Doctor Who. I would I would love that because I, I I do think that the River Song story is his greatest tale, really. Uh, so I'm very cheered to see that he's he's mixing that into the pot again. Um, the other thing that I suppose I'd like to highlight is Haley Neibauer, who is our, our uh, costume designer for this season. Man, I just love the choices that she made in this episode. Um, You may not have noticed it, but if you didn't go back and look, the doctor is in a different costume in the death scene. Uh, It has the same basic lines of the 12th doctor's usual kind of deal. But it is quite different. The jacket is this gray, smoky thing. I love that. And, oh, man, is that thing beautiful. Yeah, oh, thing the man. Back, like, oh. <laughs> it is gorgeous. And the fact that the shirt isn't tucked in, gorgeous. And that whatever the fabric is on that, it looks kind of linen-like. I don't know. But it is beautiful. And then everything that we see Bill in is great. It's not like I was really starting to feel or fear for um, kind of what they did with Martha. You know how Martha had sort of the standard Martha maroon leather jacket and then, you know, jeans, you know, and and she was in that quite a lot. And, you know, day one she's in it, the day she walks out of the TARDIS she's in it. And it's like, come on, we can do more with this palette. But the stuff that, you know, it – the, I don't know of any other word to call it, the ace replica jacket, you know, that she was in to start with or whatever, and the, you know, that thing. I hate that thing. I really hate that thing, not only because it evokes ace, but because it evokes ace. And I just don't want that at all. Um, and, but the stuff, like, especially at the end, the, the thing that she's in when the doctor calls her and says, make sure you go on this date. I was like, that is completely realistic and yet cool because it's it's a lot of reds um, and just really looks good on her. And the stuff that she was in for her date, also really good. So I just, the costuming on this thing, I thought was really, really noticeably sharp. Uh, and, And quite... It's kind of like the difference between the subtle difference, especially in the doctor's costume, uh, between Series 5 and Series 6. How they kind of upgraded from the jacket with patches to the jacket without patches, and how they, you know, now we're going to have a nice crisp shirt underneath instead of just this weird sort of, I don't know what you call it, wallpapery maroon shirt that he had, you know, that he stole from the Royal Leatherworth Hospital. Um, just that slight bit of sharpening this guy up was just really needed for me and I just loved everything about that so costuming big deal I think you see some great improvement here and what's even better for me is you know I really didn't like what they did in the third season of Matt Smith but I love what they're doing with Capaldi in his third season so and yet it's still the same sort of gig like if you're an old school fan of Doctor Who, it still feels very much like, oh, the last season of a Doctor, they change his outfit. You know, it feels like whatever that is, season 18 of Tom Baker, where he suddenly goes all maroon, you know. Um, and it's just interesting how they are making uh, the, the the changes here are very much ones that I think make this character look a lot better than what you know that stupid maroon thing that matt smith went to so i guess that's about all i I haven't really talked about the the narrative of what's going on with this thing but uh there's just so much it's such a rich banquet of uh sensory appeal that you know it's it's almost hard for me not to look at it as a work of art first uh and, and worry about the narrative, but I guess the narrative can wait you know until we find out what the narrative actually turns out yeah. to be but yeah for right, right now, just as a just as a cornucopia of things like this is probably and uh, this is a big statement. This is probably the most gorgeous, sumptuous episode of Doctor Who made by BBC Wales, which would mean in turn that it's better than anything else that BBC London ever did so the best looking episode of Doctor Who maybe. Certainly. Right. It's well, well I, I,
3: uh, I'm wondering as well um, whether they're, whether they're actually mastering it in 4K or not because uh, it does oh, look yeah, good. And it, And if they're mastering it in 4K, they're probably using uh, HDR, high dynamic range colour. Uh,
5: I noticed. Um, mm, that's not. A good that the, that's a really good point, Dave. Don't let, let's hover on yeah. that for a second. That's a really good point. Uh,
3: well, the the thing is, I noticed that I watched the titles and. Um, Although it's not in four K on my four K TV, the actual yeah. where the the is the clockwork, the 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 hit of the 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 white, the um, mm-hmm. you know the the knits or whatever they call it in the are are much more from black to white. There's much more scale if you know what I mean. I uh, can't mm-hmm. describe that very well, but like in the, in a the cinema, you know, sometimes the, the it's still up to 4,000 nits or whatever, but um, it's usually compressed yeah. down. Uh, I mean, a normal LCD TV will only do about 120 nits. Uh, oh. OLED will do about 600, six, uh, it'll go up to 1,000 on dynamic. But this sure. really, and, and with these dark scenes, I mean, you might think, well, what's he talking about, brightness? It was dark and gloomy. But the whole point is, when you've got that dynamic range, you can show darker rooms and there'll still be detail in the shadow right you know to me, so it's not all about you know it's not all about the bright bits of the
5: the thing yeah uh, but I and, think again again, one of the tributes that I like to pay to the cinematographer is that even in rooms that were supposed to be relatively light, like for instance, I guess um Bill's bedroom and of course mm-hmm. the projection room um yeah. it there's still lots of gray, there's still lots of gray lots and lots. like seriously, go back and look at that. Very funny scene where Bill walks into her bedroom and then all the attendant priests turn around <laughs> and look at her. Like her walls are white, but they do not look white. And her um, curtains definitely are like linen ivory and they really don't you know, there are shadows everywhere. It's just so rich. rich. It doesn't look like Doctor right. Who.
3: I'll play another clip, and then we'll probably go to Ian. Uh, I know mm-hmm. we'll let Ken come back as well, but um, sure. that first scene in the boat, I thought very, that was like Game of Thrones, whoever did that. I thought, this is this like scene in Game of Thrones.
7: Yeah, it was so beautiful. With, with,
5: with, or uh, like, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies, is what I thought. But yeah, right. sort of thing, yeah. yeah. Okay, here's a clip, and
3: then we'll, get, we'll go to it. We'll definitely come back to you, Ken, don't worry. No,
7: okay. no, no. Well,
2: Okay. What was that about? Those numbers, how did they do that?
1: Oh. 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 You okay? No. Yes. No!
2: Someone's been through here. Could be the
4: doctor. Those things, what do
2: they look like? Projectors. Exactly. Yeah, they're projecting the portals. No, they're not They're projecting everything Those worlds, they're all projected The Pentagon, the Vatican, CERN They're not real No, no, they're, they're holograms they're, they're holographic simulations And the people in them, too Three. what? You know, like the holodeck on Star Trek Or really posh VR without a headset Through there, those places, that's basically Grand Theft Auto But it can't be It is,
4: look at the tech, it definitely is well, Sorry, you're not making any sense
2: when did we end up in a computer game? When did that start?
1: Yeah,
3: when? Ian, solve it for us.
6: Oh, you're looking at the wrong idiot. <laughs> 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 um, I've always been one to say that I... The one thing I do miss, especially when you get older, and you've tended to watch a lot of science fiction and fantasy and, and stuff where there's like... Yeah, and I like... It, I like a lot of police procedurals too you got to figure out who done it. Um it becomes increasingly more difficult to be surprised or just taken off guard and that's what I love about this episode. It completely had me baffled until well, I think until the doctor realized, you know, said that he was um Fake. Uh, I I had no idea what was going on. You know when Nardal went, I'm like, well, yeah, Nardal's fake. Um, but but the Bill's real, yeah. and the, the, the doctor and Bill have been in here. No, no, Bill's not real either. Crap. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> and the doctor's like, not real. I'm like, oh, oh, because go rewind back now to the beginning. And and when the doctor's sitting there and he's got the glasses on and it says, you know, um, you know the, the the title came up, I'm like, what's that mean? What's that about? But then the story, you know, you get the opening titles and you go into the whole date thing and, and you kind of forget about what they showed you at the beginning. You know, that just kind of gets filed under, we'll think about that later. And you get pulled into the story about, you know, this. You know this piece of text. That anytime anybody reads it, they kill themselves, and and so you start like, you know, okay, you know, this is what we're thinking about now, and then everything starts to unravel at the end, and you're like, because the the whole idea of this of, of this text and and this guy has sent this out everywhere. You're like, how's the doctor gonna stop this? You know, at this seems like a you know really difficult thing to get out of and yeah and then of course then the story takes you in a whole different direction and and you know nothing's real everything's bad, but yeah and it's great I love it um, yeah completely different to, to the last weeks you know it really takes you on a good old trip and kept me guessing the whole time and I love that um, you know, and like I was saying, I didn't catch everything because, of course, I had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. But this was beautiful. Um, and it's one of those things where, uh, kind of like last week, they did a lot with a little. Um, but everything looks beautiful. And you get the feeling like you've been to multiple places. We go to um, the Oval Office. We're in the Pentagon. We're in... Um, Underneath the Vatican in a library, we're in uh, sure. the Tardis, we're in the um, we're in Bill's flat. Um, you know, we've been we've been to so many places, but you know, when you start taking off, okay, Tardis is uh, you know regular set piece, so it's Bill's uh, flat, um, and the Oval Office is probably a reuse of you know a set piece. We they're being kind of skimpy with with you know what we're seeing but they're using everything to you know to make you feel like you've been to a lot of places that you're getting an all a lot of bang for your buck in this and even the the, the very white room you know it's another location so we get a feeling we're going all over the place to to solve this puzzle and it's and it's great um and and of course we get the the, the planet that you know kills everybody um which uh, oh I finally figured out who the guy the 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 head guy was from that uh, if you've ever watched Humans um he's Max from Humans and I thought his acting was brilliant because you know um watching him in Humans he's a very good character and they're a very uh, uh, naive kind of synthetic human uh, with very cute kind of look to him I mean part of that's done but the um, the uh, contact lenses that he has to wear for it, but you know, it's seeing him in this. It's like hey, I couldn't place where he was from, and his performance in this is just really great. I think for such a small part, um, especially the bit at the end, <laughs> the running away. <laughs> you want to see my count? <laughs> Nothing just keeps tallying up and tallying up up, And, he's like, and uh, he's like, are you unarmed? I'm unarmed, always unarmed. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> and
6: he runs away. I thought that was brilliant. Um, almost as funny, of course, as what everyone said in this. I've seen it all over the place, too, is uh, the date scene. is just great. You know, um, you think, oh, yeah, you know, I should probably be able to explain yourself. I should go tell the doctor off and then come back to a date. But no, a date follows. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all just standing there she's like no way <laughs> and then she runs um that's that's hilarious and and like I was just saying you know it's a so it, it's unusual sometimes Moffat is surprising me you know when you think he's all out of ideas you know he comes up with stuff like this and, and I'm I'm impressed you know the only real clunker so far has been oxygen for me and uh this episode is great, and of course, we didn't know we were getting a lead-in. Well, I've been looking around at spoilers and and teasers and stuff like that, so I didn't know that this was going to be a lead-in to, to next week's uh, episode. Um, so to get that kind of like, oh, you know, we're being set up for something else. Normally, a setup episode isn't that great. I think the only the only real decent setup episode that uh, we've had prior to this would probably be uh
3: the Raven one
6: that I liked. Uh, oh god no that's oh I hated that <laughs> um no the one that uh, was it Utopia? Oh yes. Yes yeah. good one good one. Yeah that was set the... Up for the for the finale. Um, that was great. Um but yeah this one looks beautiful. Um it's got some great dialogue. Naradol's... um bit where he's telling Bill off and he's like, nope, nope, you know, I'm the only one who's allowed to kick the doctor's butt. Um, so oh, it's an nerdle. You're a bit ba- badass then. You betcha.
4: Yes.
1: <laughs> so
6: like, it's <laughs>
5: it's just, I
6: don't know. It's just one of those things. very simple lines, but, you know, used a great effect. Um, yeah, this is really good. I like this. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I could go on forever, but I've got a, I've got a commentary to do later, and I've got to save some stuff.
3: <laughs> okay, let me play a clip, and then we'll go back to Ken.
6: Okay.
4: The Veritas invites you to write down as many numbers as you like, any really size, any order, and then turn the page. All the
2: same numbers in the same order. Yes.
4: Let's bring the story up to date. Imagine an alien life form of immense power and sophistication, and it wants to conquer the Earth. So it runs a simulation, a holographic simulation of all of Earth's history and every person alive on the surface. Practice Earth to assess the abilities of the resident population, especially the ones smart enough to realize they are just simulants inside a great big computer game. But this is this, 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 this is real. I, I feel think... it. Computers aren't good with random numbers. If you ask a computer simulated person to generate a random string of numbers, it won't truly be random. If all the simulated people are part of the same computer program, and they'll all generate the same string.
3: And did anybody think uh, Star Trek Voyager, Boothby, uh, the species eight nine five five, 5 whatever, simulating the... yeah, simulating Starfleet Academy, ready for an invasion of it? Right. Tell you. they. Anyway, back to Ken
7: yeah remnants of that, but not not the the way that this, this had a whole feeling of terror of the immensity of it that that, that really really hit home also also we learned that j k. Rowling is one of the most vile uh writers in in the history of ever you know uh, you know banned in dread books uh, I uh, Exactly you what know, they said. I something else something else that was really telling. I really loved kind of the sensitive scenes with, with Missy. You know, begging for her life, saying that they're friends and meaning it. And you know, not not just playing a game there. And that was that was really lovely scenes, uh, between the two of them. And you know, Michelle Gomez is is so wonderful, but it, it it's nice to show a different, her uh, giving a chance to show a different side of the character, um, you know, from once, and uh, even even with the doctor at the end, with him knowing in the vault saying, "I'm blind, I need help," and everything, you know, uh, you know, Nard was saying, you know, what if she knows, finds out. Oh, that that's that's not it. He wants her to know. He wants her help. Yeah. So that that was really fascinating and really well done. Um. Um. I give it five five Tardis groans. Uh, for this. Yeah. I mean, four, and a half, four and a half. maybe. No, actually four and a half because we don't know exactly what's coming. But if it if it continues on this, you know, I would I would say five. But um, Again, beautifully done. Uh, can't wait for next week. And, and and what's to come. And my hat's off. I love Bill as a character. I didn't think I would. She She's amazing. Um, this is someone who just came in to, you know, uh, see an interesting class. And... Her her heart is so open, and she has such caring, and she's seen such wonder and horror, and it's it's not it's not destroying her, which is which is uh, really well done. They've really fleshed out a great character, you know, and and they 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 handle the sexuality in such a beautiful natural way. And not not a big deal. I I think that was just so impressive and so nice. And her 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 stupid stepmother, which is which is hilarious. What if you had brought a boy home? I mean, oh no, you know that was great. That was great. But um, really looking forward to next week.
3: Okay, uh, thanks. For that. Right, what I'll do is I'll play the final clip. Although I'll have the next time one at the end. Um, and then uh, I'll talk briefly because I've interjected quite a few times and uh, in no doubt ask people if they want to put thanks for giving a rating there, uh, Ken um, perhaps people will put that in there as well um, there's not been an AI, uh, an AI rating for this yet on uh, net yet um, but uh, anyway, let's have the final clip from the story
4: I take it that your intention is to invade the earth Simulations have been for the trivial well consider this a warning on the eve of war I am the doctor I am what stands between you and them you're not the doctor you're not real you don't have to be real to be the doctor as long as you never give up long as you always trick the bad guys into their own traps. And here's the trap you fell into. Your simulation is far too good. See these? They said to the court, I'm blind, you see. So I'm psychically wired into these. So my memory prints of the last few hours will still be intact on here. Information about you. You are not real, Larry. Snapping, you can do. There's always one thing you can do from inside a computer. Even if you're a jumped-up little subroutine, you can do it. You can always... email.
2: Oh, what are you doing?
4: I'm doing what everybody does when the world is in danger. I'm calling the doctor.
3: Yeah, I mean uh, that's brilliant. That uh, yeah, copy of an angel is an angel. I mean, uh, they made the simulation too too good, and uh, I think that was really good. The um, <clears throat> this idea that this doctor calls the doctor. I mean, how often have we we had uh, something like that where where you have somebody that's so clever and so you, you can't be undefeated that um, you know. The, the only way is to, to call upon themselves, in this case, in a good way, not not to do battle with themselves. But um, there you go. Now, um, I didn't enjoy this as much as the last week. I actually enjoyed last week's more, even though the criticism I had of it was that it was a a, a, a second horror story following the other. But one of the things I had said um, was the fact that the very first episode, the pilot, I thought was brilliant, very well Crafted down to minutia, and it was really good and then we 've sort of had three three so sort of stories that have been good, but they 've sort of been workmanlike they 've been safe've uh, they um, they 've they've simplified the story in many ways and um i 'm not saying they were playing safe because they 've been good stories uh, and so on but I think when they said we were returning to different themes, they sort of reduced our expectations it was it looked as though this was going to be a series that was going to be uh, universally liked in fairly uh, moderate, if not stratospherically good episodes. And, and I say to Ian that um, this level is great, but we've had the suspension about what's in the box and, and what that is going to lead to. And I think I don't think they can maintain that tension too many more episodes it would either have to be in this episode or the next episode where they broke out of this sort of safe zone and gave us something a little bit more um demanding to watch and so on well they've done that in spades so i didn't enjoy as much of view, but again uh are absolutely right the the especially if you again i do recommend sometimes you almost good as it visually looks you almost have to concentrate on the audio on its own uh, to actually glean all the different things that are within it. Um, And there was really an awful lot here. And as I said, I've I've jumped in and out before. Like Ian, uh, hopefully we're going to be talking on the commentary. Maybe someone else in the room will find out. But um, I thought um, this really is the whole series stepping up not just one notch but a few notches Uh, Ian is it is it speculation or a spoiler to say what we feel we know that next week's episode is a follow on from this Um, do you want anything more said to that
6: I don't know what you were going to (laughs) say
3: I thought I, th- I thought you could read my mind well enough to know. As uh, we're Boy. enjoying, uh, Rick, we'll give Rick a moment to talk in a minute. All right. Well, let me say there is some speculation that it might be a three-part story, and I didn't know oh, whether okay. that was close.
6: I, a... I didn't. I didn't hear that, but anyone anyway, who's probably looked at the. <clears throat> like I said, I've been, I've been trying not to look ahead and see what's coming. And stuff.
3: Well, again, it's speculation. It's not mm. a, a spoiler as such. Um, so, um, but uh, we're just about at the end. So while we wait to see if anybody puts in their things, let's give Rick some time. Rick, I don't know how much you've been able to listen to, uh, but we want your opinion of it anyway.
1: I haven't heard any of it. Sorry, I was eating dinner. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I eat early sometimes. Sorry about that. Well, do you want to
3: just put into a few sentences your thoughts on it?
1: Um.
2: And then
3: we'll, we'll tell you where you were wrong.
1: <laughs>
3: hey. Sorry, just joking.
1: You had to like this episode because we all did. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, no, seriously. Um, It was alright. Uh, I was confused and some places, um, you know, with the uh, um, um, holographic worlds, I was like, "Huh, what? Where are we? What's going on here?" You know, they kept on switching back and forth a little too quickly for me, but uh, I think I got the hang of it after a while. But eh, I don't know; it was all right. The acting wasn't too bad, Um, and it did. Is it a at least a two-parter? Because it seemed like a first part of something to me.
3: Yes, we we think next week is a follow-up. Yeah.
1: Okay. and that's, you know, basically, I said, okay, this is going to be either a story arc or a two-part story, so maybe they'll explain what I'm not getting in this one in the next one, I hope. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was alright. Um, uh, it was a good solid episode, I think. Uh, like I said, the uh, I only saw it once, so maybe if I saw it again, I'd get what I didn't. But um, I, I, to me, it was an all-right episode, nothing too terrible, nothing too great. But if I'm making sense, like I said before, or many times before, I usually don't, but that's besides the point. <laughs> okay. And uh, if you want a rating, I'll give it uh, three and a half out of five.
3: Okay, thanks. Uh, let me just read quickly before while Ian gathers up what's in the text chat. Uh, this is from the uh, Facebook page. Uh, Craig puts a uh, fantastic episode. Thoroughly enjoyed every minute. Uh, must have been uh, light. Uh, must have been light, but fun up until. Sorry. Ah, oh, the series must have been light, but fun up to now and this got serious and genuinely scary at times 5 out of 5 um um Colin, he didn't realise it was part 1 of the, at least a 2 parts, I was slightly surprised uh, that the, the resolve, the vault mystery part way through. well I'm assuming that's because uh, she's going to be the ace in the hole I would think um not too sure about when the simulation started um, Oh, lots of things there. Jeff's put a few things, but he's probably mentioned those in text here as well. Yeah. Um, oh, wasn't it? Chad um, put, uh, Moffat and Library Adventures ending in death and VR. Really liked it. Uh, and, of course, Jeff put, uh, now that was one ex- outstanding episode. Um, so ian uh, oh and, and uh, rebecca put fantastic episode uh um lulled like crazy on the pope in the bedroom scene <laughs> uh jeff put uh complete setup but if you're going to have an episode of setup that's the way to do it an out of five craig that was hilarious comic genius um, and the thing, the the nested replies that's why it's difficult to sort of f- follow uh follow it so, Ian, um, I've got the next part trailer to play right at the end, but uh, okay. otherwise I'm back to you now.
6: All righty. Well, yeah, that, that, that wraps it up for us. Uh, we've only got one one thing from the, for, for ratings from the text chat, and that's from Mad Hal, who gives it a 4.5 uh, out of 5. It's a great episode, and then he had the wander off. Uh, I haven't heard from Jeff, but uh, they've read out some of his comments. Uh, from... Oh, there he goes. Solid. Five out of five. Thank you, Jeff. Just in time. <laughs> Your ears must have been burning, as my mother would say. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us, I think. Um, thank you guys all for coming, and I uh, hope you all enjoyed the show. Uh, Dave and I, of course, uh, will be hooking up with uh, Mr. Randall Thor later on tonight to, uh, to do our commentary on this episode. So look forward to that. Until then, I think it's time to say it's goodbye. Mr. Dave AC.
3: And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Next time trailer, if you don't want to hear it, now's time to bow out. Tell me what you see.
2: Five thousand-year-old pyramid.
4: One little problem. It wasn't there yesterday. Those creatures in that pyramid, they have studied you and they have chosen this exact moment and this exact place. What's wrong with the Doctor? I lie. I've been blind since Thousand Forge. Coordinate your attacks. It did not come here in peace. We will take this planet and its people. Life on Earth will cease by humanity's all land.
3: Straight into the outro.